The entire team at the Emsolation Podcast acknowledges the traditional custodians and cultures of the lands and seas on which we live and work. We pay our respects to all First Nations peoples, elders and ancestors. We acknowledge that sovereignty was never ceded and stand in solidarity towards a shared future. I personally want to acknowledge the traditional custodians of the land on which I record this podcast every week, the Wurundjeri people. I recognise their continued connection to the land and waters of this beautiful place I call home. Always was, always will be. M. I am an agent of chaos, but I'm an agent of organised chaos sometimes. And Michael Lucas. First we barrel the pork, then we pump it and dump it. This is Emsolation. I mean, your genes are very strong. <laughs> very you. strong. I can't believe my genes aren't in there going, Scott, get out. You're in Emsolation. Well, hello there and welcome to Emsolation. My name is M. Rossiano. I'm a writer, a singer, a stand-up comedian, a podcaster, a maximalist power queen and a neurodivergent magic brain. And together with my best friend since I was 11, screenwriter and podcaster, Mr. Michael Lucas, I bring you this podcast every Thursday and... Sorry, I'm just, you know, I'm just trying to be all things to everyone and failing, but majorly just failing myself. You know, I go on and on about putting yourself first and cleaning your room first and watering your own garden and putting your oxygen, all that stuff, right? And that, in theory, is very important because traditionally women put themselves last. And then we walk around feeling really angry and forgotten about and take advantage of. What? Anyway, I don't even know what I was saying that. Oh, right. So I'm sitting currently in my wardrobe right now because Elio's still awake. It's very late at night and I'm recording the podcast at a later hour because it's Odette's birthday tomorrow. And I want to give her the whole day because... You know, it's been a tough couple of years and I, I want to give her a special time and she's a 15-year-old girl, so that involves piercings and chopping and I just want to really be with her wholly and completely not thinking about work. So what you're about to hear, just know that tequila had been consumed. <laughs> take us 45 minutes to set up. But I still love it and I'm still proud of it and you all keep showing up. What's our content this week? Oh, my God, the Super Bowl halftime show. I'm still recovering. I'm st- I've got to keep this short because the episode's so long. And I know you got, like, a lot of you can't listen for too long because you've got lives. But the Super Bowl halftime show, oh, no, 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 no. It just took me back. It just, I just imagined there was a lot of, say, 35 to 50-year-old people losing their shit around the world and their teenage kids looking at them going, what is going on? It was a moment, a movement. It was an homage, a nod to our childhoods. We talk about that. We talk about ScoMo and his tour of offensiveness, starting with the 60 Minutes interview, then him telling the stolen generation that they need to just forgive what happened to them. God, he's horrible. And why you must not underestimate him. 
Very important. And finally, it ends on us talking about the Gilded Age and we spend a good five minutes trying to perfect Christine Baranski accent. She plays the lead character, Agnes. And you know Christine Baranski. She's amazing. She's from the Birdcage. She's from Mamma Mia. She's been in everything. She's incredible. She's a bona fide queen diva. Christine Baranski, look her up. If you don't know who I'm talking about, look her up. You'll know as soon as you see her. And she talks like this. I still can't do it. Be still my beating vagina. Anyway, that's what the episode is. I just love horny period dramas. Do you know what I'm saying? I remember in 1995, my mum was watching Jane Austen's Pride and Prejudice and, of course, Colin Firth playing Mr Darcy. And I think that was the first time I really got it. Obviously, I grew up in Anne of Green Gables. Thank you for giving up the school for me, Gilbert. It's very good of you. Oh, Gilbert. Rest in peace, Gilbert. Oh, I've given both so much. Oh, my goodness. And Diana, her bosom buddy. I mean, Anne of Green Gables is, I need you to understand, imprinted on my soul. I loved that. I identified with Anne, who was obviously neurodiverse, by the way. So that was my first kind of foray into period drama. But, I mean, Anna Green Gables wasn't that long ago, but I remember watching Elizabeth Bennett and Mr Darcy, a.k.a. Jennifer L. and Colin Firth, with my mum when I was in, I think, year 10 and just, oh, God, I loved it so much. It was so good. So I don't know. I love a horny period drama. What can I say? Sue me. I'm good. I'm okay. I'm a bit chaotic and scattered. I want Odie to have a good birthday. I feel a lot of pressure. You know, 15-year-old girls are tough. Trying to toilet train Elio and I am failing. <laughs> That's okay. I'm a woman with my own fucking office now. So do you know what M Salate is? Or oh, you're getting, I'm on me rant. She's on her rant. I'm on me rant. Who am I? I'm on my rant. I'm going to next week head off into the sunset. Guys, I'm off to work. See you later, everyone. I won't say guys because it's exclusionary. Pals, family, mummy's leaving now. Bye-bye. And you know what else is at my office? Do you know what else I'm buying? State-of-the-art fold-out couch. Maybe I'll, maybe I'll stay there. Maybe I'll have naps. Who knows? It's a new era. Expect a new woman. All right, this intro is turning out to be as long as the actual episode. Darling, thank you for being on the journey. We are trying to lock down a venue for the second birthday extravaganza. Bear with us. Do any of you own a theatre, you know, between 500 and 1,000 seats who just want it to be kind of small in Melbourne? It's available on April the 9th. Do any of you have any leads somewhere in Melbourne, 500 to 1,000 seats, where we can put on a live show? Let me know. Just email. All right, my darlings, that's enough from this agent of chaos. We didn't go to gymnastics this week. We did not go. He refused. He out and out refused to get out of the car. <laughs> Thank you for being here. I'm going. Play the music. M. Luciano and Michael Lucas. This is M. Salation. Michael Lucas, welcome to the last official episode we will not do in the same room together. Basically, we're going to be in the studio together next week. In true M. Salation fashion, it's been clusterfuck, multiple computers. I'm in the wardrobe with a ring light and tequila. Elio's still not in bed. It's 9.30 and the dog's barking. It's not fine. Nothing about that is fine. So, here we are. <laughs> How are you? Look really well now. Thank you. Are you recovered? Because you were missing last week. Have you recovered? I have. Thank you. I had quite the health event. 
Yeah, it was the most severe of food poisoning. And so, I mean, I pulled muscles because I was that violently sick. But it was only like the initial burst was like nine hours, right around the time when we would have been recording. And Mm. it did linger for a few days. But now I, and you know, I'm in that phase now when, you know, when you regain your health and all of a sudden just... There's a certain magic to that first day where you feel like a normal person again. I feel pretty, oh so pretty. I feel pretty and witty and gay. I was close to having a gin and tonic, but it just feels like a bridge too far at the moment. No, no, you'd be pushing Mm. it. But you're back to fighting with confidence, which, you know, it was touch and go. You did go for a walk and realised perhaps you were too far from a toilet on Sunday. I did, yeah, that's true. I did have a bit of that, but I'm past that now. And now it's just like even... Just a normal bowel movement is an absolute miracle and I am grateful for it. It really You really do. It's the simple things. The fact. It's the simple things. I had a coffee. I had a coffee. And I, well. and I did not think it, it's going to come shooting out one end or the other. I just thought I'm going to drink this coffee and digest it and, and, and it felt like a privilege. You do. You sit on the toilet when you're in the throes of terrible diarrhoea and you're like, I will never take a solid for granted ever again. Either way, great progress for Bebe. It's been a huge week for us. We had too many things to pick from, but I do want to start with something that's just electrified me, and that is the Super Bowl halftime show. Mm. Take me back to the Eltham <sighs> roller ring, blue light disco, R&B special. It was my yeah. iPod. It was my, oh, my God. It was so fucking good. You should have seen me. Every 40-year-old woman gay men, perhaps even some straight men, were just taken back to their youth. Mm. And, God, did you have you watched it? You've oh, seen yeah, it? yeah, please. I, every, I mean, like you, no idea who plays whatsoever, no interest in any other, except for the national anthem, no interest in any other aspect of the entire event. But that mm. halftime show, it's, a, it's really a real big annual happening for me now. Like I really get excited mm. about it. And, it very rarely disappoints. Like, but this year, I agree. I agree. I, I weirdly, I, I don't normally like the omnibus bring a whole lot on. I, I normally like just one headliner mm. who's going to drive it on through. But this year, because they stuck with the one genre, and it was legends only, and also the way they designed it, it just, it, ah, oh, it was just, it felt like it, it, it just reinforced that rap and R and B is the genre that has defined our time here on earth and they had <laughs> banger after banger and legend after oh legend. my god i couldn't breathe i just and for me obviously there's been so many amazing halftime shows gaga madonna prince janet jlo everyone's done it right mm. you know if you put them side by side we could critique and argue but this is the one that affected me most emotionally because of the nostalgia attached mm. and you know first of all my kids are like oh they're doing like a vintage show and i was like you fucking what? What? <laughs> but they're right. You know when they like when we were younger and they let like I don't know someone from yeah, the Beatles or yeah. Joe Cocker or someone perform and we'd be like, oh, it's for the old people. This was for the old people. And that's us now. <laughs> they put Kendrick in so people of my children's age would care. Kendrick Lamar. <laughs> he was in there so 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 some people under the age of 40 would care. And, like, so we had Dr. Dre, Snoop Dogg, Eminem, Mary J. Blige and Kendrick. And, like, the moment Dre rose up in his oh. middle-aged glory, 
behind the white desk and they're in this, like, amazing set. What a fucking it, it, set! It was so spectacular. I thought we were still in the science fiction, like, video internet. I'm like, I didn't realise that the actual performance had begun for a second because it looked so ridiculously incredible. And then there was a moment where the penny oh, dropped and I, I really went wrong. Me too! And I was on there going, yes, yes! And then Snoop comes out in his blue tracky and it just, oh, la, 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 la. I have to say, if I'm being critical, 50 Cent was weak link. He was the one, like, with every other one, I felt like they came on and they were as good as you could have possibly wanted them to be. He he recreated the video in the club, (laughs) which was him, you may remember. But didn't age up the dancers? Didn't age up the dancers? Yeah, yeah. nah. So the dancers with him were original age of when he was, say, 25. Yeah. But now he's, I don't know, 50. But the dancers were still 25. That's right. And I was like, let's get some middle-aged dancers in there, guys. He, he did the hang down upside down from the roof. But where he used to look just ripped and cool and just unbelievably like this fierce vision of strength, at this point you were like, ooh, I'm a bit worried about your back. Ooh, is that going to be? They didn't show him getting down from that position too. And I no. felt cheated. <laughs> I felt like I want to see how that man, surely there's some assistance there. <laughs> but, um, so you know, they didn't show the transition. No, nah, they cut to the hot oh, dancer. The five minders point. running on to like help him down. <laughs> I don't know how he did it, but I, I really wanted to know. And you know what? I still loved hearing that song though. That that as well took me back. Sure, sure. Yeah, but I mean the highlight when Fiddy points to the roof and Mary J. Blige, I'm shouting. <gasps> I did think of you when she came out. You know, we talk about J-Lo looking amazing for 50. Not that we celebrate that, not that that's important, but we do note it. Uh, Mary J. Blige is 51 mm. and, my God, uh, they're in her white mirrored bodysuit, but it looks like leopard print, her thigh highs, her amazing long blonde hair, and she just gives. And it's just like no more dramas playing and I'm just like, no more tears. No. I was just, oh, my God. And Beyonce and Kelly were in the crowd singing along. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it was a lot. I couldn't cope. She was amazing. And when she went for that final run on No More Drama, I mean, it was crazy. No I also loved my other favourite Mary Jane's Blige bit when they cut to her later and she was sitting on the couch. I just love that. <laughs> Perfect. Well earned. Well earned, Mary Jane's. So relatable, so relatable. And then we had Kendrick come out, super cool, amazing backing dancers, and, like, all the kids were re-engaged again. And then Eminem appears with Lose Yourself. Look. And I I was peaking. Like, I was overstimulated. I was crying. I was shouting. And then he did the kneel, even though he was told not to. And then they all reappeared again. And fucking hell, I really miss being a young person <laughs> dancing to this music. At the time, I didn't realise how white I was. I was a South Central West Side gangster in my yeah. mind. I, at 14 years old, white Italian immigrant's daughter, I was a gangster. One of the most amazing triumphs in culture has been how gangster rap 
took over the white suburbs of even Australia. Like, I mean, and I know in the past there was this thing of white singers appropriating, um, you know, R&B and black culture and everything, but these were the actual rappers themselves that we were obsessed with, even though, yeah. like, we were the Imagine. whitest little... What? What was? What was? What were we doing at Eltham Roller Rink that made us connect with those gangsters on the street? Oh my God, that mu- I think in the end of the day, it was just the music was so good and so unlike anything that we'd heard before. And how it has look. I know now I'm sounding old because maybe Chella and, and and you know Odette didn't agree, but for me, held up, held up. You put on any one of those songs right now, I don't care. You just have to dance. Held up. <laughs> Held up. R&B Fridays still happen on major radio stations. Holds up. I mean, in this house, if you hear... Like, everyone in the house. Everyone in the house runs. <laughs> it was a clear black night. A clear white moon. Warren Jesus on the streets. Oh, we're regulators. We're mounting yeah. up. Like, you can't fight a good tune. So, anyway, electrifying. If you haven't watched it yet, my God. Sorry. I concede as well, if you don't have the connection with those acts, it might not be as, and, and of course, as a gay man as well, obviously I love my J-Lo's and the, and the, and I love a crazy dance routine. This one wasn't so much one for the crazy dance routine, but in terms of just bad, classic after classic after classic. Oof, 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 oof. All right, we're going to go away. We're going to come back and we're going to talk about Grace Tame in a giant bong and Jenny and ScoMo. There's a lot going on in Australian politics at the moment. That's next. M. Rossiano and Michael Lucas. This is M. Salation. Wow, Michael Lucas. Super Saturday has happened. As previously discussed on Saturday in New South Wales, there were four by-elections that took place. And basically that is when a singular seat becomes vacant and they hold like a mini-election. So instead of doing the whole country, they just do that area. And there were four seats up for grabs and it was a fucking disaster for the Liberal Party. Let's put it that way. Wasn't great. I love seeing you in Anthony Green mode, by the way. (laughs) Thank you. This then leads into the ScoMo interview on 60 Minutes. Full disclosure, I haven't been able to finish it. Oh, honey. All this shade, honey. (laughs) (laughs) So I'll let you surmise... For people who are wanting our opinion on it, I'll let you surmise the interview that Jenny was called the secret weapon in. But I'll argue, is she secret yeah. or is she a weapon? Yeah. If you announce we the secret weapon, then I don't think it counts. <laughs> yeah, it was Carl Stefanovic. Oh, how hard hitting. Oh, my God. How hard hitting. <laughs> Asking things like, do you feel our hurt, Prime Minister? Oh, wow, someone get the Walkleys on the line. Anyway. He did. There were Obviously, it was taken over multiple interviews. So, so we went to their house, Kirribilli, they made mm. dinner. And intriguingly for me, they served they served curry with margaritas. Oh my God. Okay. Good choice. And I was watching this interview when I was still in the after effects of food poisoning. And that is a hell of a combination. They must have guts of steel to wash down your curry with a margarita. That is, that's, you're combining cultures and you, that's going to strip out your insides. Anyway, but that's what they drank. I mean, I definitely think it was, there was nothing random about anything that happened on that interview. So yes, I'm sure it was a choice. Was it there to display that they're multicultural? Maybe. I, I mean, I just felt like that's actually a dish. I don't know. I don't know. I, I've, I felt like it was a dish that he could make. And I felt like they thought it'd be fun if Jen knows how to make a margarita, let's do it. For me, the crucial missing thing was, but would you actually have them together? Is that what you would do? Do you take a sip of, do you have a mouthful of curry 
and then wash it down with the margarita. I don't think you do. I don't think it's a good combination. <laughs> and I love them both separately, I should add. And then weirdly we interviewed Jenny for a long time and ScoMo just basically sat there. Like he didn't really add much and Jenny gave, like basically Jenny was sort of, Carl gently brought up all the various scandals. Was there a moment when you thought, we've got to get our bags together and leave and go back home? Did, did you get the, the outcry? Absolutely. Look, absolutely. And I am, I am more than sorry for if we're disappointed. And not if we, we did disappoint. Which she apologised for, which to me was absolutely surreal because it's like, you're not the Prime Minister, what are you? And he just sort of sat there patting her hand and that, that was incredibly odd. She gave her thoughts on Grace Tame. I, I just found it a little bit disappointing because we'll welcome you in our home. I respect people that, like, want to change things, stand up for their beliefs and are strong, but I still think there's manners and respect. I want my daughters to grow up to be fierce, strong, independent, amazing people. And I think they can still do that and show kindness to other people and be polite and have manners. Now, this is where I had to stop. I? (laughs) I felt like I could just feel you implode internally from, I felt like a shift in the atmosphere. Of course. I stopped it because imagine deliberately raising your daughters to be polite and (laughs) well-mannered. There is a certain internalised misogyny about that aim and the idea is being polite with women equates to not making people feel uncomfortable, not really speaking about how you feel. And the problem with teaching girls to be polite is that it allows men to get away with abhorrent behaviour because we are taught to not want to make people feel uncomfortable. It can result in situations where we are in danger, Mm. but we don't want to hurt the man's feelings. And maybe we're being coerced into something we don't want to do. So teaching girls to worry about putting someone else's feelings in front of their personal safety or how they're feeling at that point in time is so fucking dangerous And it's just so destroying that a woman said that in her position on national television and perhaps there were some parents nodding along going, yeah, there's a difference between your daughters learning to be respectful in certain situations Mm. as opposed to your daughters learning to smile and wave regardless of if they're feeling unsafe or unhappy. They're two different places. And when she said that, I threw the remote at the television and walked off. But I wonder whether, like, I mean, me too, absolutely. And also I was really frustrated when she said... I just wish the focus had been on all the incredible people coming in. I I just found it a little bit disappointing because we'll welcome you in our home. And I had this reaction of, Kirribilli House is not your house. (laughs) That is the Australian... (laughs) That is Australia's house, where our taxpayer dollars pay for to keep that going, Okay, Let's just be clear about that. You've got a house in wherever you live, Cronulla. It's not your house. And she's the Australian of the Year. She can, she can wander on into Kirribilli House as far as I'm concerned. It really surprised me that in that situation I just felt like the most obvious thing to do is to take the high moral ground. And the fact that she criticised her on that level, I sort of felt like if they'd done research and realised there are there are the quiet Australians out there going, oh, she should be a lot more polite, do they think that they can really get people on side by driving that? Because I had the same reaction as you. Yes. But then I pull myself back and think, are they connecting with a whole batch of thinking yep. and voters that yes. 
It's a Aww. yes. It's a dog whistle. He is the king of dog whistles. Mm-hmm. That guy. I think we all like to think that he's making these weird blunders and miscalculating, mm. but I think we're severely underestimating Scott Morrison. I truly do. And I think he's found a way to fly under the radar and appeal to the people who are going to vote for him and perhaps the people who are like covertly feeling a little bit displaced by Labor or the Greens and they're on the fence and they're worried that, you know, they're being challenged, everything's too woke and too politically correct. And I think they're the ones he's going for. Scott Morrison isn't going for any centrists or lefties. And I think everything he's doing now, including what happened this week, so it's uh, 14 years since Kevin Rudd apologised to the Stolen Generation. Oh. I got to interview Kevin Rudd after that, like five minutes after he apologised, mm. and I was on breakfast radio at the time, and it was the most extraordinary moment in my broadcasting career, and I'll never forget it. And ScoMo gave a speech this week on the anniversary of it. and Staggering. I had to reread it so many times. So obviously the apology was historic and something survivors and their families have been waiting a very long time for, right? It was so important and such a huge cultural moment for this country. And on its 14th anniversary, our current Prime Minister chose to deliver the line. Sorry is not the hardest word to say. The hardest is I forgive you. So, in effect, our Prime Minister told First Nations people that they need to forgive the policies of the stolen generation. And I just want to remind everyone that over the 70-year period this policy was in place, one in five First Nations children were removed from their families, and it was as much as two in five in WA. Mm. And ScoMo has basically said, you need to forgive. It was, it was just really breathtaking. It's a dog whistle. I'm telling you. This guy doesn't do anything accidentally. And if you think that he's just some blundering idiot, then he's even more dangerous than we all Mm. believe. And, look, Senator Lydia Thorpe, who's a First Nations woman, she tweeted, this is outright disrespect to all those affected by the stolen generations in this country. Mm. How dare you ask for forgiveness when you still perpetrate racist policies and systems that continue to steal our babies. This is not an apology. And if you think this election is in the bag for Anthony Albanese, you are severely mistaken. I I can't stress that enough. It is not. It is absolutely not. The other thing was the ukulele situation. But everyone knows the chorus. Yeah, go. Take me to the April sun. brain that it was a strange choice because in a lot of Hawaii's national music. Yeah, I know. It really <laughs> did feel like it was giving us an insight into the Hawaiian holiday. And is that where you want to take us? I don't know. I just what? Why is he doing this? He was in Hawaii while his country was burning, but he's chosen to perform on, like, essentially the, the nation's national instrument. They know that, uh, you know, I, I don't hold a hose, mate, and I, I don't sit in yeah. the control room. But I do want to let everyone know that it didn't rate. It didn't. It was intriguing. Master Dogs on the ABC out, outrated it. And it was a big drop from the week before. Mm. And also it had a massive lead-in of Married at First Sight, enormous, biggest lead-in in television. And, yeah, he, it was a real switch-off, mm. which, I don't know. For maybe gives me hope. Who knows? <laughs> now, before we move on, it would be remiss of us not to mention the Grace Tame bong photo. I mean, just when I thought the week couldn't get any better when Mary J. Blige burst forward. And I think it had the reverse effect. 
because people were like getting their bongs out for grace. <laughs> a bunch of celebrities were posting themselves, huffing on enormous bongs, small bongs. Will Anderson did. And I loved it. Like, me too. You want to get high? No, we don't want to get high. But honestly, as if it was going to have any other effect other than making her more of a champion. And also, it's a rite of passage, for Christ's sake. As you can attest, there are no more, there's no more of a turbo nerd in the world as a teenager than I was as a teenager. I was mm. the biggest nerd. And even I have had that rite of passage. And she responded today. She's tweeted out that she admits that she was playing April Sun in Cuba on the oboe. Like she had a crack at ScoMo even today. So, yeah, I, I loved it. The word bong really amuses me. I don't know why. <laughs> I just, mm. I saw the photo and I laughed. Mm. I just was like, oh, for fuck's sake. So, you know, I mean, I don't care. Makes her more of a legend in my eyes. I do think it is absolutely revolting that people are going through trying to find ammo on mm. her. That just seems, let's not forget why she's in the public eye and yeah. that feels kind of repulsive. But in this case, Absolutely. <laughs> if that's the best they've got. Exactly. M. Rossiano and Michael Lucas. This is, 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 is M. Salation. We've been watching a lot of telly between the two of us and one show in particular that I read a one-star review of has captured our imaginations. Michael Lucas, The Gilded Age. Mm-hmm. New York is a collection of villages. The old have been in charge since before the revolution until the new people invaded. Uh, Paramount Plus mm-hmm. has dropped three episodes. It is basically Downton Abbey in New York, 1882 New York. Thoughts and feelings on the Gilded Age. I feel like, I, yeah, yeah, it's one where you have to divide your mind because it's like how would you qualify it artistically and as an artistic achievement and then how much you were enjoying it. And I guess for me, ultimately, it has taken the torch from And Just Like That. And just like that, I walked myself home. Because I, again, <laughs> I, it's not that I think it's this brilliant show, but I am no. enjoying it so much, so Same. much. I mean, I, I knew that Christine Baranski... That's a big tick from me. I take that as the highest praise. Her I would love, and basically several people. Carrie Coon I love, budget Oscar Isaac. The biggest feeling that I have is, is this the real sign that we've gotten old? Because I do remember (laughs) my parents being really into, like, period dramas. Yeah, And I am hard into this. And and you might say, oh, but there's been Bridget and stuff, but this isn't sexy. There's 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 no. a bit of there's a bit of two <laughs> gays so have done sexy. a little bit of snuggling, but that is no. it. There has not Nothing. been any sex scenes or anything like that. Nah. So no. I'm just in this for ladies swishing around on staircases, <laughs> saying ridiculously theatrical lines. Why don't we just go outside and roll in the gutter? It will save time. And very stilted, stilted oh. scenes, one after the yes. other. But yes. I am and I suppose that the last thing I'll say about it is. The chief drama in it is that the phenomenally rich new money family, will they mm. be accepted by the old money family? <laughs> and at the end of the day, why the fuck would anyone care? And yet no. I do. I do I care. Do. I'm in. I'm Me in. Too. I want that Carrie Coon character. I want her to, I want her to host her daughter's debut into society in to a yes. film ballroom. Yes, Mrs. Russell. Here's the basic premise. We meet Miss Marion Brooke, a.k.a. Louisa Jacobson, a.k.a. Meryl Streep's youngest child. Which took us far too long to figure out. 
We've gone totally. literal episodes without realising yeah. that. And there is a strong physical resemblance too, so I don't know how there that is. happened. I know. Now, her father's just died and left her penniless, so she must go live with her wealthy aunt, Agnes, aforementioned Christine Baranski. Hang on, I've got to get her, I've got to get into, into her character. Hang on. She's, she's up in her nose, up in her head. Why don't you just stab me in the heart? <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Sounds like she's, she's popped an ambient in that telling of it. She's very baritone, isn't she? And she isn't just like, oh, I can tell. No, wait. It's more like, huh, huh, huh. Because she doesn't oh. have the um, no, Go. fuck. She doesn't have enough downstairs. people. Downstairs. To- <laughs> what are you doing? What are you doing? This is our worst I- effort yet. <laughs> Two no, we can do, idiots. We can do it. A ten I to need- ten, trying to imitate Christine Baranski. What are, what are you? Do- what are you doing? <laughs> I've got to get Why her up. Why are you Wait. doing some sort of European accent? She's no, American. No, no, no. She has this. She has this nasally. <laughs> people are listening, cagging themselves. Christine Baranski has this nasally, like you know, like. What I was doing, I was sitting on the toilet before and I was nailing it. New York is a collection of villages. We're in charge of the evolution. She talks like that. New York is a collection of villages. The old have been in charge since before the revolution. Until the new people invaded. <laughs> <laughs> now Why? you do it. No, I'm not telling what was it? New York is a collection of villages. It's been like that since the revolution. No, I'm doing a weird no, thing. No, it's too. more like Adrian can do it really well. He does wander around the house doing it. No, but it's more like, can somebody ring for tea? Like that. She does that. Yeah, like she's that. got this innate <laughs> nonchalance in her voice mm. that is it's and she delivers everything like that. It yeah, is, she's like, You're going to the Russells for dinner? Why don't you just stab me in the heart? Life has taught me one thing, Miss Scott. If you don't want to be disappointed, only help those. Who help themselves? <laughs> yeah, she's she's amazing, and there is, that was not and of course, it. she's <clears throat> just born to play it. And I have heard one interview where she's like, "And I, in fact, do come from one of the most celebrated families that is featured in this series." So she cut. <gasps> she is in real life a descendant. Yes, yes, <laughs> she's amazing. And then Cynthia Nixon plays her sister Ada, and Cynthia Nixon talks like this the whole time. Agnes, I don't know what you're doing, but I think we should help the servants go and have a nice dinner. And she sounds like she needs Fentolin the whole time. All we both want is your happiness. You may disagree with us, but that is all we want. Carrie Coon also does get to do, like, power talk, a bit like Agnes. Like, she's like, oh, yeah. I will decide who comes to dinner at my own house. And That's I- exactly it! You did it! You fucking nailed it! Why don't they want to eat in my ballroom? What, is my <laughs> money not good enough for them? Well, fine then. We will sink them and we will have our own party and we will dance on their graves. I don't bother with them. <laughs> <laughs> it's truly terrible. It literally got one star in The Guardian. I, d- I think that's harsh because I genuinely, the plot has got me in. I do think there are really good plot elements and the fact that it's got me in on this basic dilemma of can the new money be accepted is is pretty good. <laughs> So I'm going to give it more than <laughs> than just one star. I do think it's worth more. I mean, it's so fascinating that I love that everything that you're watching is self-avowed, like you're not watching anything that's a masterpiece. It's all, and I think we've been in this golden age of TV, particularly TV drama, where TV's just getting more and more cutting edge. But I think what 2022 has shown us through and just like that and the golden age and everything is, in actual fact, you can bring down the quality a few notches and we'll be just as obsessed, if not more so. More. 
A hundred percent. Lower the bar. Up the costume budget. I'm in. We were raised I- on nineties television and <laughs> that there was a ceiling on how good that television was gonna be, and we find that territory really engaging. <laughs> X-Files was as good as we were going to get in that stage and I loved it. Melrose Place. Also two Australian men in Gilded Age. Did you know that? Yes. Harry Richardson and Thomas Cockerell. Good for them. Good for them. Oh, really good for them. That's going to be a that You know that show is going to run for seven years. There's no doubt good. about it. It's going to sit there you on fucking HBO should. and they will do incredibly well. It's terrible and I love it. And Bridgerton season two is back March 25th. Very exciting. This whole house is poised and ready. Even Scott is on board with this. So, all right. I'll talk to you soon. Talk soon. Bye. Bye. This is Emsolation. All right, my darlings. That's it. Another episode of your favourite podcast. I'm assuming we're your favourite. We set a very high standard. We do. As chaotic and... You know, scattered as we are, we have some tight infrastructure, boundaries, editing. I want you to feel like you can breathe, but also like you're safe. It's it's a fine line I tread. Michael treads, we all tread. Next week, we'll be coming to you from the Insulation Studios. I'm pretty pumped. I'm not going to lie. I'll be spending the weekend judging it, setting it up, making it look amazing. Don't forget to sign up to our newsletter. That gets sent out on Thursdays. And also follow us at Insulation Podcast. Make sure you're following us on Spotify. That really makes a difference on the charts. And also tell a friend. We need you. We need all of you to pick your favourite episode and just send it to somebody who you think will benefit from our particular brand of whatever this is. I appreciate you all very much. I also want to take this opportunity to thank my team. You all know who you are. We're all going to be in the same room next week. Yay! All right, my loves, have a fantastic, wonderful week. Happy birthday, Odie. Happy birthday, my darling. She doesn't listen to the podcast, but I know I've said it, so. (laughs) Until next week, my darlings, be good, but don't be polite. Fuck polite. Fuck that. And don't even be good if you don't want to. But do not raise your girls to be polite at the expense of their happiness or personal safety. I cannot say that enough. I cannot say that enough. Raise fierce, outspoken women who in the moment are brave enough to say exactly what they want and why. Okay. Emsolation with M. Rossiano is a Spotify exclusive podcast hosted by M. Rossiano with Michael Lucas. Executive produced by Benjamin Wosley. Produced by M. Rossiano. Edited by Ezekiel Fenn at Entente Music. With videos by Liam O'Brien. Socials by Marcella Rossiano Barrow. With assistance from Jem Evans and Georgia Watts. Plus occasional technical wizardry, wine, and coffee from M's dad Vince. Get more Emsolation by following the Emsolation podcast on Instagram, where you can also sign up for our weekly newsletter. You can join other Emsolators at the Emsolation group on Facebook. The answer is Harry Styles. If you love what we do, share this podcast with a friend and make sure you're following us on the Spotify app. Thanks for taking time out to listen to this week's episode, and we look forward to chatting with you again soon. Emsolation.